Hello and welcome to First Thoughts. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Kyle Wilshire. This is our podcast where we cover the current film calendar, take a look at some stuff that we feel like talking about and give our <laughs> first thoughts on these films. Hence the name, obviously. Today's fair, The Boogeyman. The most recent Stephen King adaptation that debuted in theaters and lost horribly to Spider-Man and is uh, getting pretty mixed reviews. Uh, Understandably so. It's going to be divisive. And uh, I'm on the negative side of this thing. I didn't care for this film. To quote Michael Rosen, that wasn't very nice. And I believe you like it a little bit more than I do. A little bit, like a half star's worth more. Um, I liked it. I thought there were some good, like, scare moments. Like, there was some good scare usage. Um, I, I like. I did think they did find a cool way to stretch the short story by still keeping nods to obviously a short story. Like, obviously, especially at the beginning with Lester Billings, um, David Dasmachian's character, and obviously at the end, which was a cl- almost classic callback to like the ending of the short story. Even I thought, like, oh, sure, they don't actually like go for that ending. Which would have been cool, but whatever. Um, I think I think for me, and this is probably more of a personal thing than really with the movie itself. And also, I've been watching Yellow Jackets recently, so Sophie Thatcher is in that, and now in this in uh, in this movie, I thought she was really good. Um, I can see why she's having a you know a rising career here between this and Yellow Jackets. Um, I think for me, and this is probably more of a personal thing. I am just getting kind of like personally tired of um the 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 grief trauma horror films we have gone like in flux. Not saying this is not a new thing to the genre of horror. Not that the horror hasn't done this before, but my God, have we gotten like a, a flux in like a just a a downpour of it since I would probably say like Hereditary maybe before that. Um, I'm not too sure, but I know Hereditary is kind of like the turning point for that. I know I know what you're talking about. I would say the the big like start of that was the Babadook. Yeah, that's right. The Babadook was before. That was like 2016. And it's a yeah. it's a good idea. Obviously, you know, when you're when you're vulnerable, you're more susceptible to darkness. Like, yeah, we get it. But it's always, you know, some dark creature in the shadows we can barely see who's, you know, a very clear metaphor for a recent loss. And, you know, they always destroy it using some kind of light or conquer it using some sort of light. And by the end of it, they're all a lot better. You know, like I, I get it. You know, yeah, I grief, think, I think that's grief where, hurts. <laughs> yeah, I think that for me is where my probably my more negative stuff comes in is I think the performance is really good. I do think Rob Savage crafted some well done scare scenes throughout not saying everything. I did like going for it at the fucking beginning with with the kid. I was like, Jesus Christ, going for it. Um, I I appreciated that. Um, but it's this familiarity coming with this specific type of horror film. And what I felt with paranormal horror, as much as I like per I'm, I'm big um for those who know me, I'm a big believer in paranormal. And so, you know, I've watched plenty of shows, not the ghost hunters, but like the one they recreate their true hauntings. I'm into those. 
So I'm, you know, I I like that stuff. I do like paranormal horror films. I do think kind of like extras and films, they tend to follow the same damn template over and over again. And not like they're the only ones doing it. Obviously, different subgenres have a template they like to follow. I just kind of get tired of this template a little bit quicker. Um, I can only take so much for a film like, all right, I'm done with this grief freaking like horror stuff like give me some fun stuff you know give me give me cocaine bear and shit like that give me the stuff that like yeah it's horror you know it has the horror elements but it's also a shit ton of fun because at this point just give me fucking fun or give me like the slasher stuff that seems to be kind of like coming back in full swing with terrifier 2 and two-thirds of the halloween trilogy um fuck halloween and still to this day um but you know getting that kind of stuff back you know i'm tend to go more into that stuff so yeah i'm just kind of like that's the probably the big thing with me is this familiarity with grief stricken trauma horror films i'm with you there i i am you know it seems like an easy an easy get like you know i've got two weeks to write a horror film let me reach into the folder we've got you know slasher template we've got grief template we've got ghost movie like what can i what can i, what can I do and change the names in two weeks it feels like that now um, what really bothers me, I'm tired of every horror film being billed as the scariest movie of all time. I'm, I'm tired of that because they're always wrong. It never, no, no film can live up to that. Odds you are. Gotta the scariest... that. Hmm? You just gotta, you just gotta turn that out. I don't even pay it. I don't even recall them advertising those phones. I, like, I don't pay attention to that anymore. I try not to, but then, you know, you give us a really good trailer and you, you know, you, you build it up. The whole idea of like, it was so scary and so well-received. It didn't get a streaming release. Instead, it got a theater release. And it's like, oh shit. All the buildup was positive. And it's just, it creates in my head, this perfect horror film that just doesn't exist. And it might be a me thing. I, I might be doing that subconsciously on my own. Every time I see the preview to one of these things, but I also think that, I mean, you're working with a 12 page short story here that is near perfect. It's one of the scariest, most complete stories King's ever written. And it is 12 pages long. Mm -hmm. Can you really stretch that into an hour and a half with a complete narrative that feels complete? I don't think you can. For me, the boogeyman was a, really lame effect like ineffective villain i mean he does you know he, he kills those kids at the beginning off screen and that's it the rest of the movie he's just fucking with them and all the it, it, it's the same scare every time it's the you know oh there's something you hear something in the shadows oh somebody's gonna shine a light in that direction we're gonna see a glimpse of some weird face that was all they did the whole movie <laughs> there was no like there mm -hmm. were variations of it but that was just it there was no Every time the, the lights went out, I'm like, okay, give me five seconds and he's going to pop up over there. And I was right every time. So it got really yeah, predictable I... and really old really fast. And I think that's just, they just didn't have a lot to work with. They had to kind of resort to tropes. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm not going, I'm not going to deny that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do think for the most part, they, they expand the story pretty well, but yes, it was the same old type of scares that you're used to, to the point that I can honestly say, I think I jumped once, one single time, and it was only out of genuine, like, they got me, jump. Um, for the most part, I just sat there doing you going, like, oh, okay, he's going to pop up, and there he is. Okay, cool. Um, 
Not, I'm still not, I'm still, my best moment with that is still when I had to sit through the fucking gallows, and I called a fucking scare, like, on point. I'm so proud of myself for that. You were there for that. I remember, um, yeah, New Year's Eve, we were like, let's end this move this year on a high note, and we watched the fucking gallows, and we were both like, fuck, we should have picked something else. <laughs> yeah. Um. What the one and they kind of ruin it because it's in the damn it's in one of the fucking TV spots or something. But the ones here that actually got me was like when she comes home from like investigating Douse matching in his house and the sister keeps the little sister keeps bugging her and she's like, Leave me alone. And she walks to the door, and as soon as she walks, that thing just fucking busts through the door at like onto her. That scene got me because even I was like, oh shit, okay. I was like, but then I'm thinking like, okay, can we get more scares like that? Like, don't give me so much lead up. Just fucking do it. Those are the best types of Just fucking do it. Don't give me lead up because I wasn't ready. I was just thinking like, at that point, I legit was like disarmed. You know, I'm like, oh, it's the day. Little sister being the little sister and bugging her. And then nope, it's the fucking boogeyman just busting through the damn door. Like, good jump, good jump scare. But like you said, a, lot, a good chunk of it is absolutely what you're saying. It's a lot of like, and the light went off, and now we can see the eyes. Um, well, there it, was wouldn't, some... it wouldn't have bothered me so much if the boogeyman had actually done something in the movie. I mean, we got this whole group of, you know, spoiled, rich, bitch, high school girls. And I was thinking, oh, that they're, they're going to be fodder for the boogeyman when, you know, he starts racking up some kills. And that never happened. Like, no. we had disposable characters here to really make him seem like a threat. But, you know... The film, I feel, is really held back by a PG-13 rating. And we don't get the, you know, this thing's supposed to be pure evil. And I wanted to see pure evil let loose on a family. And I did not get that. I do want to quickly, before we talk about the creature itself, I do want to talk about that real quick uh, with the PG-13 horror. Because I'm kind of like, like with everything kind of with you, but also somewhat against you on that. Um, Or somewhat disagree, I should say. I it didn't really bother me because I'm, I'm look I'm of the mindset I'm sure you, I I know you're the same way but a rating doesn't like fucking matter when it comes to a horror film if that's the rating it was made for cool whatever um obviously if like I know like and sometimes hey look Megan's an exception that yes they have confirmed they they wrote that R rated but they pulled off PG thirteen with that I'll give them credit they pulled it off um. But at the same time, like, yes, the exception is, like, if it is made a certain, like, a rating, and then you can tell it's been, like, watered down in the studio. I'm looking at you, Live For Your Die Hard, with the fucking studio executives that were like, take out all the fucks real quick, even though we filmed it with that, with it. Um, then, yes, it does bug me, because I'm like, no, you filmed it a certain rating, now you're trying to hold back, right? Or, like, obviously, like, thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm sorry, Blade has to be rated R. I cannot fathom a PG-13 Blade. Can't fathom it. It needs to be like Deadpool needs to be rated R. Um, but besides that, rains don't bother me. So like it didn't bother me too much in this film because I didn't really get the vibe they were going for that type of horror and um with it. But I can also see what you're saying, and it can feel like it's going back, like I said, with obviously the baby off screen, even though let's be honest, we're not gonna do that in a mainstream horror film being shown to the masses. But uh, having the cannon fodder with the the bitch group that I, even I was like, please kill some of these women off, please for the love of God, they're horrendous human beings, and they don't obviously they just kind of dis they honestly just disappear from the movie. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I ratings don't matter when you've got everything you need to make the movie at hand, and I do feel like the boogeyman was held back because we do have potential for like some really gnarly 
otherworldly, like vicious kills by this thing. And I, I was hoping to see some of that. Instead, I, I feel like I got a watered down bad guy. And, you know, that kind of sucks. I, I wonder if this had got gone to Hulu like it originally was going to. I wonder if they were going to be a little bit more hardcore with it. I wonder that, too, because you do get like that quick shot where like the woman rips that woman in half. But then the camera like cuts away. Yeah, Real quick, so I was like, they actually filmed that and then they just quickly cut it away in case they got the theatrical rating or, the, you know, theatrical release. So, yeah, it I look, I I this is why I will say with this whole thing, I, I really hate the fact that, like, we live in this world where, like, they it's been proven R-rated films can make money at the box office. They 100 percent can make money. Yes, obviously you're limiting your audience, but rating that's restricted to like you know 17 unless you got a parent or guardian with you. But for some reason, studios insist like, nope, if it's during the summer, we no, don't rate it R. You make it PG 13, get the teens in there, let them enjoy the movie. We're gonna get much more, you know, masses. It's going to appeal to more people. And then usually what happens is what kind of happened this weekend, where you know, across the Spyverse, the blue. It's opening, you know, blew it out of the water. See, that's what that's what pisses me off the most. They chose to release this thing up against what is probably going to be the biggest film of the year. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And they still went with the PG-13 rating, hoping to recoup something. They weren't going to recoup any. It didn't matter. This thing could have been rated, you know, complete X. It didn't matter. They were never going to beat Spider-Man. So why not just do it right? Yeah, and go forward. Yeah, and you know, just because you know, remains for Josh. I hear the argument that obviously there are two completely different audiences for these films that came out this weekend. But mm-hmm. just the fact of the matter is, the animated film that the parents don't have to bother trying to hunt down a babysitter for because they can just take their damn kids to it is inherently going to make more money than the horror film that parents have to hunt a babysitter down for. Have a whole thing about when can they go. Waking the babysitter, you know, like it becomes a whole big minute thing that, yes, at most we get you your teenagers that parents want them out of the house and, you know, date night people. Well, I mean, we saw both. So there's a there is a joint. Audience. There, there's a third option. Yes. Of people like my us and uh, Josh and other people that will see both. But I'm just saying like inherently. I get it. Two different movies, two different audiences, but the animated film meant for families. As we saw with Mario, literally in fucking April, dominated everything. Well, it, 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 that movie will make more money inherently. Well, Spider-Man, especially it's good. It, especially, and it was great, but it has the animated kids market and the superhero movie market. Like, both, you know, alone, those two are incredibly feared in the box office during the summer. This time it was both. And the Boogeyman never stood a chance at all. And I just wish somebody no. had had told that to 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 the 20th century studio people because I don't think they knew. This is the thing. Disney didn't give a shit because they're like, look, it's fucking Spider-Man. We have a whole deal with Sony. So uh, uh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Either way, they're getting they're getting a check. Yeah. Either <laughs> way, they win. Yeah. It, I didn't think about that. Like, yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, like, hey, either way we went. I mean, technically, they still made like twenty million off this film, which isn't terrible. It's below budget. I won't tell you that much right now. So it's it's going to go down as a flop. But like, they made they still made something out of it. I'm assuming. 
Well, maybe one day we'll revisit it as a full filmgasm episode, try to analyze it a bit more, look into production, all that jazz, because it is I didn't hate it. I just I was let down because I think my expectations were too high. Um, mm. which it, can happen. You know, it's, it's I, said, King. I, I, I want a lot from King. You know, I read I've read most of his work and whenever well, and they it, make a movie, like I have very high expectations. Well, and it's also just the fact that like we were teased the King Renaissance that just flatlined so quick. So so quick. Like yeah. it chapter one was great. Pet Cemetery exists. It chapter two was actually you're talking about hyping up your scariest film ever made. That's the one that made me kind of stop listening to that shit. That was my turning point personally. And okay. what I meant to mention it earlier. Because my god, did they not show about how the second one's gonna be so much more scary because we gotta scare adults now, not kids. And the movie I saw held back on so much of the scares, it was obnoxious. Every fucking scare was a joke. And I don't even mean that like a negative way, like literally a punchline to a joke. And I'm like, this isn't what are you doing? You're not doing what you said you were doing. It chapter two's biggest problem was that for like 30 years, we all knew the second half of the book was nowhere near as good as the first half. We all knew it. It was the same for the miniseries. So they tried to turn that into like the film's tongue in cheek joke instead of actually focusing on maybe overcoming that and making a really good second half. They were just like, we already know it's going to suck, so might as well have fun with it, which is a weird approach. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, and it, it's, and since then it's been, you know, I watched the, I watched the stand thing that they did for, at the time, CBS Access, not Paramount Plus, and it was all right. I, you fuckers slept on Dr. Sleep. I hate all of you. Um, that yeah, one was excellent. Like one of the really good ones, and it got no attention. <laughs> yeah, it, so it's like we had a really good one. They got zero attention, and then we get this one. You know, these are other ones that are coming out. That's like, and Salem's Lot. Stop saying, look, I'm gonna say right now. Stop saying it's on the schedule because it's still not dated. Yeah. I don't know if we're getting that next. So stop getting. I'm sorry to break it. Stop getting excited for that because I have no idea if that's even coming out next or not. Well, what else? Let's go. We're, we've already started running through it, so let's run through the rest of it. For, since I'd say it, twenty seventeen, that started the like the new King Renaissance, and since then we gotten a, a flood of random shit. TV wise, we got we had eleven twenty two sixty three on Hulu, which I thought was fantastic. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. I I did watch that. That was good. That was really good. Uh, on AT and T, something. Uh, now now it's on Peacock, a real a real studio. Uh, real service, Mister Mercedes had. I was seen that. I've been meaning two great seasons. Bucks up the landing so hard. Uh, basically, the first season is the first is Mister Mercedes, the first book. I heard they, I heard they flipped it on that. Like the second season's the third book, and the third season's the second book. They, it's exactly what happened. Yes. Oh uh, well, actually, it's pieces because. Most of book, most of end of watch is ignored in favor of a pretty new plot, which is a okay. damn shame. But that first season, the adaptation of Jess Mr. Mercedes, the book, is some of the best work ever made from a King novel. That first season is gold. So if you if you ever do watch it, maybe just watch season one. Ignore season two and three. You're not. You're just going to be disappointed. Season one is fucking gold. Okay. Uh they completely fumbled the dark tower. Yep. We had the we had the outsider, which was um 
I thought it was pretty good, actually. I liked that. I thought they I, kind of rushed the ending. Yeah. But I thought everything was good. But I, that's how I felt about the book, too. King, you know, he's a great storyteller, but he, he can't land that plane. He just he can't do it. No. <laughs> um, I think uh, the, wor- the worst offender for me is still Firestarter. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I have it. That pissed me off so much. I think about it at least once a week. Like, Jesus, I really wanted that to be good. <laughs> yeah, it. I forgot about that. God damn it. Yeah, Firestar was a. Uh, it exists. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you watched recently another remake of Children of the Corn. Let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, there's some. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've read you. Die. You and Josh's reviews were hysterical. Just really quick, like Jesus Christ, what a piece of shit! Like that's all it was. <laughs> yeah, I think I put like something should just stay down. I put something like that was like a tagline with the movie. I was just like, let's just let this franchise die. Damn it! When you don't like a horror movie, I'm gonna want to kill it with fire. Yeah, like, I, that that one's fucking bad. Uh. There's some stuff I haven't seen yet. I know um, they adapted Jerusalem's lot into a short-lived series with Adrian Brody called Chapel Wait. Um, oh, I, yeah. I've heard good things about that, actually. I forgot where it is. I, I didn't uh, look. Epics, which I think now is MGM+, Plus, but it used to be Epics. Jesus Christ. There's too many. Um, I know Apple did an adaptation of Lizzie's story that I think was fairly well-received. Okay. It usually I've noticed like and it's probably because of his writing, TV tends to suit him better than movies. Um I'm not too chaz on the upcoming Welcome to Dairy that they want to do that they're working on. I'm just I just don't care. Like I'm like, oh my god. I t- I feel the same way about that pet cemetery prequel they keep trying to make us care about. Yeah, I don't care. You know what got me excited when Mike Flanagan announced that he wants to do a Dark Tower adaptation for Prime? I'm like, yes. Yes. Give yeah. me that, please. That would be beautiful. I also got excited when Andy Muschietti said he wanted to do the long walk. That would be cool. Even yeah. though apparently he's directing Batman the Brave and the Bold, so who knows when we'll get that movie. Oh, so apparently uh gun like the flash. <laughs> gun wasn't lying, apparently. <laughs> um ooh. One I really, really, really loved was Gerald's Game. I still that I haven't seen that one. I have to see that. I need to see that one. How have you not seen that yet? Ah, I dude. keep meaning to. I just haven't watched it yet. It is fucking nerve wracking. It's such a brilliant uh, adaptation of that story. It doesn't leave anything out. Like it covers all of it. Well, again, Mike Flanagan knows what the fuck he's doing with a Stephen King book. He does. He's the new Darabont. But without the assholery. Exactly. So I say give, People yeah, like give Flanagan whatever he wants. <laughs> give him it all. Give him Dark Tower so I get the show. Uh, uh, real quick, I can't think of any more off the top of my head right now. Just, just because so many King adaptations. Um, what I do want to talk about, what we haven't really talked about, the Boogeyman itself. The, okay. the title character. What was your thoughts when they said you unveil the fucking CGI beast? <laughs> I I knew it was going to be 
I knew it was, it, there's no way they can top what I'm imagining. When I was reading the boogeyman in that, you know, 10, five, five to 10 minutes it took to read that story. It's just, it's so simple. Guy walks into a therapist's office, says, hey, something killed my kids. Hear me out. He tells his story. And the, and the therapist is like, by the way, it's me. And that's, that's the whole story. So I was picturing, yeah. you know, absolute nightmarish hell, not the creature from Smile. <laughs> like, I like Smile. He's a cool creature. You can't just put that in the shadows and expect me to not notice. Oh, yeah. It, it, that's what I say. Like, it had some good moments. Like, when they put her, when the, 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 the bitch group, as I'm going to refer to the mask, I can't remember the names. Put her in the closet, and you can't see the thing pop its face out her to scream. I was like, oh, okay. That was not a bad scare. I like that. But nah, then, see, like, you know. Right there, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, I love The Sixth Sense, too. Like, they kept stealing from better movies. Okay, Mr. Fucking Roger and you put it over there. I wasn't thinking of the Sixth Sense. What part of Sixth Sense? What movie? Oh, what part of the Sixth Sense are you talking about? Remember when the the bullies like lock Cole in the dark room and he's oh, like, oh, yeah, oh, you can hear everything going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought I, I did think the scene with the the kid that plays video games, which God, any future kid I have, that's I hope is like that. Just can I play video games? Yes, let's turn that PlayStation on, play some video games. Um. When she was like getting attacked by it and she just got flung into the TV, I was like, God damn, all right, that's a scene right there. Um, you know, we saw quite a bit of the monster, and I was like, Oh man, it's CGI, yeah. You gotta keep that thing in the dark because it's gonna look awful. Um Well also this but this, then we like, get... this nightmarish demonic creature that feeds on children is just gonna fling one into the TV and then what leave? Eat it. Like, do something. Damn it. Yeah, it, it was amazing how they had like main character armor of like it will only hurt them. It, and then they try to say like, well, it toys with its food before it, it eats them. And I'm like, but we also saw it did try to kill your sister at one point, which means it did attempt to eat her and it just failed. Yeah, it killed those children at the beginning really damn quick. You know, yeah. while they were sleeping, which is what I imagine the boogeyman would do. Yeah. Um, because then, yeah, we get that whole third act of it in the basement, and you see all of this creature, just all of it in its glory. Even I was kind of like, maybe go back to hiding it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a certain another again another template of like nightmare creature that has been reused to hell for the past decade or so, and. That's kind of it, you know, spindly legs, weird animal-like face. I think of like the the mutated bear from Annihilation. Again, the the smile crate creature from Smile. Uh, yeah, it's just you know, you look at like anime or like people just make you know writing their own shit or cataloging their nightmares and stuff like that. And there's a plethora of freaky, weird, unique designs for creatures out there that no one is looking for. No one's looking at it. They're just looking in the file cabinet for like what made money that year let's pull that mm. yeah and that yeah that's what i say like i was i was pretty mixed on the monster stuff at one point like i said there's some good scary scenes but like i said like the scene with the the child king run across that whole sequence was actually well done again we're in with 2023 so we're finding clever ways to use current technology for scary scenes i totally get it 2023 um 
So I thought that was cool, but yeah, when we kept getting so much of it at the end, I was like, okay, I don't need I this much of the creature. There was something that that really had me laughing. Uh, so when the the uh, Lester's wife uh, calls Sadie and says, like, "Hey, I know how to destroy this thing," I thought first, mm-hmm. I thought that's the boogeyman luring her to the house. That's what I thought that was. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was. The wife being like, hey, turns out if you just launch enough shotgun shells at this thing, it's going down. And they, you know, she uses Sadie's bait, blasts this thing to hell, and it just gets up and rips her in half. Sadie witnesses all of this. She knows that you can shoot this thing a hundred times. It's not going down. Later on at the end of the movie, she grabs a hockey stick to defend herself from this monster that can't be killed with a shotgun. And I just yeah. was like, you were there. Like you saw this thing get up from that. Is you thinking your Wayne Gretzky is not gonna not gonna do anything here? No. So I uh, couldn't take that yeah. seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I, I get credit. I did like the little joke when the gore comes in. She's like, it doesn't like light. I'm coming with you. And I'm like, you know what? That was a good joke. I laughed a little bit. I chuckled. I love that Sadie's you know, like, no, you go upstairs find a light and sit there. I'm going to deal with this. Not like, come on, let's take out this ancient demon together. My eight year old sister. Yeah, we got this. This, um, look, I will say, look, cause I know we've been kind of ringing. Um, I will say on the positives, like, like a lot of these films performances are good. I did, you know, like I said, Sophie Thatcher, uh, she has been, uh, writing, you know, she's been on yellow track. It's big showtime hit. Um, she's one of the main cast members in that. So between that and this, like, you know, she's definitely rising up, um, becoming more and more of a name. So good for her. She does, I think, do really good in this. She, you know, she's not terrible. The the little the little sister's good, Christmas Cena's good as the grieving dad. Dallas Manchin makes complete great use of the quick scene he's in. He's always awesome to see. I love that guy. Um I like that. I will say I thought outside of that, one other thing I want to mention besides performances, um, Missed the opportunity. They didn't just go ahead and do the ending of the book. Because I thought for sure they were going to do it. When she got called back, I was like, oh, are they going to really do like the ending? like And it actually be like the boogeyman there? And then it was indeed the doctor. I was like, man, come on. Just go for it. Yeah, I would have you know, had Sadie get pulled into the dark closet and then the door slams and roll credits. Yeah. What do was the... Like, do you like it? What was the credit song? I remember it being like so like off beat like not you know not gelling with the film i'm like thinking like happened. yeah it was, i'm gonna look all right you you say what you were gonna say i'm gonna look that up i i don't think i think it would have been cool had they done like some like kind of like uh it's kind of it would have reminded me of the scene from it granted but remember the scene the first day of 2017 you can see the librarian in the background looking at the kid and smiling after a while something like that with the with the with the doctor, like at first you do see her, and then kind of going, what you think she's looking in the closet, and in the background you can kind of see the the face becoming more deformed, like she starts smiling more, and like maybe you're like ripping the human clothes off her, and you're like, holy shit, get out of there! It's the fucking boogeyman, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It needed something like that. Um, all right, but I again, can't find that's <laughs> but a lot of these grief from a horror film studio they have that ending where they go they conquered their grief and she shuts the door so like you can't get me boogeyman i've conquered you and i'm like just ah 
I'd love it if it took the route where it's like the boogeyman shows up and you're reminded like, oh, it was it was not a real metaphor for grief. It's an actual demonic creature who wants to eat you and you can't kill it because you can't kill the dark. That's kind of what I was hoping yeah. for. Look, look, give me the goddamn found destination type ending where you find out you can't cheat death. It's coming after you even if you try to beat whatever cycle you thought you were beating. Or give me the fucking smile ending. There's a reason I really like smiles ending because that movie, yes, it's a metaphor film too and about mental health. But my God, if you take that metaphor for mental health from Smile and you add the ending it fucking gives you, it is a depressing, go for it fucking ending. Yeah, and I approve highly. Yeah, I think Smile was a big um, influence on this movie, just without the originality. Yeah, hopefully Rob Savage bounces back because I'm gonna say it like. And I haven't seen dash cam yet, mostly because of the main character. And I've heard how the main character is like. And um, for those who know me, there's a huge reason. I am just very trepidatious to fucking start that film. Um, if you know anything about um, people in my personal life. Um, but it seems like after man host was a big hit. Dash cam got obviously very polarized reactions because of um, for those who don't know the main character and in um dash cam is a MAGA truther and it was found out in real life so is the person playing that role. Um uh, you know obviously Rob Savage has gone tried to like defend the decision and stuff like that and look he has his reasons he did it. I'm not going to fucking question them. He's a director. Doesn't mean I want to rush and see that film and deal with that for an hour and a half of my life. And obviously a lot of people felt the same way. Um and now obviously this with the boogeyman only made 20 million on 35 million. Yes, I get it. You know, it doesn't matter. Opening weekend doesn't matter, but I'm do- doing this from, hey, I'm talking from a perspective of a fucking executive, a dumbass executive that's going to look at not the fact that they released this against Spider Man, which was going to take his box office no matter what, all the fact that, you know, it was getting mixed reviews. It, or it's only one fucking weekend. It could have a strong second weekend. Even though Transformers was coming out, I kind of doubt it. Because now all the family's gonna be like, hey, we again in our movie, we don't have to get a babysitter for take the kids to go see Transformers. Um <laughs> so it um so yeah, you know, they're they're gonna look at it and be like, okay, and now this movie didn't do good. So hopefully Rob Savage has like another fucking one in him to bounce back with because it, it seems like since host, I haven't been as into his into his stuff as I was host. I didn't. Yeah, I. Host is really all I've, uh, all I've enjoyed. I don't think I've seen the rest of his films other than this, of course. I, I remember I was I was excited about Dashcam, and then like the reviews were so negative, I just was like, ah, I'm good. But that was before I decided to open the floodgates and pretty much watch anything. Uh, so we'll give that a shot at some point. Um, so final verdict for me. The Boogeyman, three out of five stars. I had higher hopes. I think it could have gone further. And uh, I don't know what the next King movie is. It was supposed to be Salem's Lot, but who the fuck knows when that's happening? So I I do not know. Yeah, I mean, I'm still saying this at three and a half. It might get dropped down to three, honestly. I was kind of, te- I was kind of flip-flopping when I was like putting it into the box. There's a lot I like. It does have some effective scares. Um Rob Savage, I don't think completely misfires for what is essentially his first like major theatrical like B 
big budget movie. Um, but yes, I think you know there's a lot of familiarity, a lot of you know me kind of being tired of the grief drama horror films as of late, and just getting tired of dealing with this this, this shit and just wanting more fun stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, on one end, I applaud going for Burke and showing so much of the creature towards the end, going for that bonkers ending. I applaud them at the same time. It, the budget wasn't there for the creature, so may just keep it hidden. Um, or find a way to do a practical creature. I don't know, maybe. Um, other hired the the um, Javier, I forget his last name, Botet. the guy who played Botet, yeah, Mama, the crooked man. Get him. Yeah, I was about to say, or do what they yeah, get someone like him to play your character, maybe. Um, it's probably a lot cheaper than all the CGI spent. Um, uh, so yeah, overall, like not a not a bad time, not the worst horror film I've seen. Definitely not the worst horror film I've seen by a long shot, but also not the best. A s- solid, you know, if date night or hey, if you have like kids like teenage kids or something you want to go see something horror with them hey you'll take them to this yeah i'm hoping we get some 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 good you know solid freaky memorable horror films this year i mean so far we've had some some interesting stuff but nothing that i think is going to be like really remembered as a classic possibly skin a rink in the right like for the right audience but uh everything else has been kind of lukewarm so i'm hoping for some real some cool, some cool shit for the next half of the year. Yeah, I'm hoping down I don't have much hope in July because we're getting a City of Five, which it's another paranormal horror film. You know, I'll probably see it because I've seen there four. Um, we have Talk to Me coming out, which does actually look pretty interesting. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I want to check that one out. That looks like it'll be pretty intense, and what mm-hmm. I'm hoping for. Um, but then like after that, you know. The fact that the most out of those films, the fact that the one I'm looking forward to the most is the Disney's Haunted Mansion kind of says a lot, I feel like. Like that's the one I'm the most excited for. It's the fucking Disney yeah. re, uh, redo of Haunted Mansion. Um that is besides that, yeah. That's funny that they're Disney's pulling out like all the stops and doing as going as far as they're willing to go for a horror movie. I mean, you know, Lakeith yeah. Stanfield's getting his head ripped off in the first act. <laughs> but it is gonna be interesting, I think. I'm I'm excited for the blackening because that looks like something yes. a little different. I think it has a potential I, to be both a great horror movie and a great c- comedy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the blackening. I I guess each other, I have hope for this upcoming Saw installment that we're getting this year. Socks. Um Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll give Five Nights at Freddy's a chance. I'm riding the wave of actually good video game adaptations. And look, it's a simple enough concept. So really, how can you fuck it up? Um I've I've always thought those games are fucking stupid. I enjoyed Willy's Wonderland. I'm good there. So I'm not gonna go see this one. I'll wait till it's free to watch somewhere and then I will put it in my it's list. Really day and day on Peacock, so you can just watch it on Peacock. I'm I'm gonna let fate do it. I'm not gonna like reserve a day to sit down and watch this. I will just let it come to me when it comes to me. Good. I'm saying it's coming on Peacock. So you don't have to work very hard for it. Um, I'll I'll give it a shot. I mean, yes, really, really's running lane is essentially like the same concept, but I'll I'll give this a shot if it's any good. I'm I'm a sucker for this type of like animatronics going wild and killing people. I'm down. Let's give it a shot. Um, oh, last portion of the meter in August looks pretty good. I'm excited for that. That I want to be good. I'm just hoping it 
doesn't turn out to be like super cheap and nobody cared because that does sometimes happen. Like the closer we get to release date, it's like, oh, this was a complete afterthought by everybody involved and no one cared. I I hope I don't think that would be the case. I know it's Andre Overdale uh directing it, and I've liked his work so far quite a lot bit. I did not know it was him. Never mind. Okay, now I'm now I'm back on board. Yeah, cool. I think it's Javier Botet playing the damn creature too, actually. Or it's it's a Fucking it's a hell. name. It's not it's not a CG creature, it's a dude in a suit. Okay. All right. Now we're Drax back in town. All right, cool. Um Meg two. You think that's gonna be good? It looks like they're going to embrace what the Meg should have been. So even though I know they kind of confirmed it's a PG-13 film, that doesn't bug me. What bugged me with the first one was like it didn't want to have fun with its concept. It was trying too hard to not have fun. This one looks like, hey, look, obviously we want... And it makes sense. Stick with the same rating because we made a shit ton of money off the first one anyway. So we can just make more money again. I That doesn't bug me. This one looks like they're actually fucking having fun with it, so I'm a little bit more down with this one. I actually do want to check that one out. Yeah. I do wish it was rated R, because just the the gore potential for a movie like that is staggering, and I I imagine like Piranha watch, uh, with much bigger fish. Yeah, just watch Piranha 3D. I did. I liked it. I want to see it with bigger fish. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a mega. You have to Look, I'm I'm willing to give this one a shot. Like, like I said, it looks fun. Like the moment they finally they showed Salem on the fucking thing going in the air with the harpoon, the side, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Yes, be ridiculous, have fun. It's a film called The Fucking Meg that a megalodon exists still. Yeah, three this time, and a giant squid. Yeah, three. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm down. This looks like they're going to have a lot more fun with the concept than the first one did. Okay. Final question. Do you think a haunting in Venice is actually going to be a horror film in any way? No. And I'm not getting bamboozled. I'm not seeing it. I'm I've done this twice. Fuck you. I'm not watching a goddamn Hercule Poro movie again. Go yeah, fuck I figured, yourself. I figured that was gonna be yep. That's on brand. I, I would not. No. God damn it, no. I'm not going to get tricked. I will probably see it. I I haven't liked the other two. I, I may, maybe this one. <laughs> I I really hope Sarah doesn't like like the past two, and she's like, "Let's go see that." Because I'm gonna be like, "God damn it, I can't escape this fucking I'm gonna, franchise." I'm gonna Shit. get a hold. I'm gonna get a hold of her contact info, introduce myself, and just plant the seed that like you know Caleb really loves Agatha Christie whodunits. He does. He won't admit it, but that's like his favorite genre of film and book to do. Like he loves that stuff. So, you know, do with that information, whatever you, you may want. And there you are opening night. <laughs> I will fucking kill you. You're going to get for, for Christmas, like the best, the collected works of Agatha Christie. Like that is, that's, that's you for life. <laughs> I hate you so much. I will it'd, be kill you. It. it'd be worth it for the death stairs. Every time you get another, Agatha Christie related present. I man, the moment I even heard that they announced something, I was like, "God damn it, no!" It was. I thought Death on the Nile was a huge failure. Like, why? Why did he get a third? You're, I think you're, he's financing this shit with his own money. It's the only explanation. I think Ronick just really I likes see. to play play Poirot, and he's going to do it as long as he wants to. 
Yeah, and give us an origin story on his fucking mustache. That still bugs me. I got an origin story on his fucking mustache. Like, I cared that much. Let me just point out, Agatha Christie never gave a shit about where Poirot's mustache came from. That was all Bronig. So, don't blame her. She wrote really good stories. It's these idiots who keep bastardizing them and turning them into shitty detective movies. I was like, I can't... The first one, like, oh, they all did it. That's not obvious. And then the second one, I fucking named it from the beginning. I was like, oh, and I was right. Sweet. <laughs> At least half right. I remember there was one I, I was wrong on, but I was half who right did, still. Which is who done it? Who done it? You done it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, and the third Sinister show, I was like, no, you're not going to trick me. There's no goddamn haunting. It's going to be some bullshit someone's doing to scare people off. Fuck off. I was like, you know what? Give me the hell in the Baskervers. Give me Sherlock Holmes, you fucks. It's better. God, I I feel very strongly about this. I really I hated those first two movies. I read Hound of the Baskervilles in middle school, and I was super disappointed to find out it's not. There is no werewolf. Yeah, it's, it's like Scooby Doo, man. That's that's what people pretend to not. They're trying to trick people. I'm like, no, it's like Scooby Doo, guys. There's not an actual monster. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for ye meddling knaves. In your stash. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll probably end up seeing this because my whole family really enjoys these Poirot tales, and I I get invited, and I'm not gonna pass up a free movie, so might as well. Oh, I wouldn't harp you if it was. I'd be like, nope. I'm good. If somebody invites me, if I get invited to Five Nights at Freddy's, I will turn that down. So I know where, I know where you're coming from. My 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 ne- my uh, cousins were fucking obsessed with that game for years, and I I, I hear I heard that theme song on iPhones and shit. Like I just was like, ah, I got so irritated. So now that it's gonna be back in the spotlight, I'm oh god, I'm not looking forward to oh, that. Big time, big time. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, that movie. The only three films I'm probably gonna actively avoid is Haunting in Venice, Oppenheimer, because I I don't care to sit for three hours in a theater. I can just wait until it comes on a streaming service and just really piss Christopher Nolan off with that. Even though I know he's not listening to this. Um, hey, look, I've held out for Avatar. I just found Avatar Way of Water is coming out on Max on Wednesday, and I've held out the entire time. Um, I feel like Christopher Nolan's the- ego is so damn fragile that if he find- if he hears this, he finds out you are actively avoiding the theatrical release of his movie, he will show up to your place and be like, come on, please. Please. I need this. Come on. <laughs> Do it for me. Here for Chris. He'll show up with a like a, a cake that says like Sawi. Like he's trying really hard to be like, you know, sorry. I'm, I please. It's just me. It's Chris. You know piss it's, it's Chris. <laughs> to piss him off, I'm going to go watch Barbie. But I'm going to watch it in IMAX to further piss off Tom Cruise. Apparently he's furious that those two films are taking the IMAX screenings for the new Mission Impossible, which is hilarious to me. Remember when people used to make movies for art's sake when they were like, I have a cool story I want to tell and I want people to see it. Remember that? (laughs) Those are good times. They were. Now it's all to just, you know, I mean, it's always been to feed somebody's ego, but now that shit's in the public spotlight and we got to hear about it. Yeah. I remember when I saw that, I'm like, are you serious? Like, Tom, dude, 
you had a Top Gun Maverick last year, and you're probably going to make a huge hit off this film regardless. Because even I want to go see that in theater. I was like, I want to see Mission Impossible. I actually like those movies. Like, you'll be fine if it's not in every single IMAX screen in America. You'll you'll survive. He's like he's like Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. You know, he got his biggest movie on Earth. He revived cinema, according to Spielberg. He's getting his two part epic Mission Impossible finale, but it's not in all the theaters I wanted. You know, like that's what it feels like. Like Jesus Christ, somebody yeah. kicked somebody smacked this kid. Somebody call Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise needs to be slapped. <laughs> I'll throw South Park and make fun of this eventually. <laughs> it is. That's just so amazing. Like, dude, how many fucking victories do you need in your lifetime? You can't, you can't secede like an IMAX screening to Barbie. You got to be like mine. All of it mine. Yeah, and like let's be honest, dude, like you're releasing around the same time the two other big releases are coming out, and that is Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like there's three big releases in one month. I can't believe I'm saying that about Barbie, but it is. Yeah, I'm probably gonna see it. I'm I'm gonna see all three. You know, for me, not for Tom Cruise, not for Christopher Nolan, not for you, me, for me. I wanna see these movies for me. That's how it's yeah. supposed to be. I would like to see this. I'm going to buy a ticket to see this. That is all. God damn it. Yes. Oppenheimer, whatever streaming service you make it on, I will watch. If it's only available to rent off Prime, well, I guess I'm not renting it. Now am I? You're going to you're going to see this to through to the bitter end and it's I admire the commitment. I do. Look, I've never talked I mean, about We've been Maverick. talking about this for like 2 years. <laughs> Yeah, dude, and then for Maverick, until it hit Paramount Plus, did not watch it. Avatar, Way of Water, it's just now getting to Max this weekend or this week, so I haven't watched it because I'm waiting till I can watch it for free. Essentially, they're not. I won't. I will wait. You don't care. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) And I love that these these directors have made such a huge deal that people didn't go see their precious films during a pandemic when the theaters were closed. Christopher Nolan. That one, that one hit home for you. You never, you've never forgiven him for how he handled Tenet. No, because it's the most like, like no, like dude, are you serious? <laughs> the theaters are closed. There's a virus running rampant, killing people. I also love that you like went, you went in on Tom Cruise for like overreacting to safety. <laughs> like they need yeah. to be in in the sweet spot. Or you're going to get on their ass. <laughs> exactly. It's like my personality. Sweet spot. I'm coming after you. Pretty much. Well, I'm looking forward to doing one of these. can't not being consistent. That's true. That's true. You have never, you've never compromised your, your very odd values. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to doing a first thoughts on Oppenheimer with probably Adam because I, I can. It's not gonna be you. That's that's for goddamn sure. Not me, no. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. Uh, go see the Boogeyman if you want. It'll probably be in theaters for another few days. Um, I Transformers is gonna eat up all of its screen time, probably. Yeah, and then honestly, probably between the Black Knight and the Flash the week after that. 
then we finally get a break before Indiana Jones comes out. So yeah, it'll probably be on Hulu in the next month or so. So there's your there's your shot. It's a 20th century film, so it will be up. It was supposed to go straight to Hulu, so it will be on Hulu basically. At some I point. hope. I hope due to a system glitch, it winds up on Disney Plus, like in the Disney original films section next to like DuckTales and the Lion King and some kid watches it by accident. I would love that. Like just like all the stuff like Barbarian and Ready or Not and all that shit just keeps popping up by mistake. So all like owned by Disney now. Some hyper disgruntled Hulu employee gets fired and on his last day, he uploads their entire horror section to Disney Plus. <laughs> that would be beautiful. Like the best petty revenge for that kind of employee. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> you guys think you're going to get Hocus Pocus three? Not today. Nope. <laughs> Fucking cocaine bear. Enjoy it with your three year old. I don't know. Uh, this was fun. Um, First thoughts is always fun. I enjoy. I'm enjoying this off the cuff, just you know, random discussion show. Any uh, last thoughts on First Thoughts? I still can't go over how you say that. Last thoughts and first thoughts. Uh, no, look, hey, like I said, I know we kind of came down the movie. You know, it. I'm sure we'll still get some solid Stephen King stuff. This was in the middle for me. You know, it's, it's a mostly good time, but I, yeah, it's stretching out a thing that was only 12 pages long, ultimately. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, well, like I said, you know, it's in theaters at the moment. Go see it if you haven't already. And uh, we'll be back with our next big release. Who knows what that'll be? Uh, Take it easy. Thank you.